Good evening, everybody. We are here with our Q&A. Lots of questions today. We surely won't be able to finish them. We got it from one end of the world to the other end of the world, from Canada to Australia. The questions are there, but the same God. God who neither sleeps nor slumbers, the sun doesn't set for him, nor the moon rise for him, is far above all of that. So we trust God. He'll give us the wisdom to answer the questions. So this evening, before we start, we look to the Lord. Father, we just come to you, Lord. Once again, we want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, Father, for bringing us through this day. We have come to the final service, Lord, the Q&A. We thank you for all the questions. Thank you for all your children who write, all those who are going through tough, difficult times, especially the persecuted church. And I pray you will have an answer, word of encouragement, a word of comfort you will have for everyone, Lord. It's your word that you have magnified. It is what is written that defeated the devil. We come back to your word and pray, Lord, give us wisdom to be true to your word, Father. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Come at this time into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor. Yes, we can start, Pastor. Yes, this is question number two uh, from, yeah, question number two. It says, uh, right or wrong, is it in God's hand? Man's action should not be governed by the knowledge of good and evil. It should be motivated by a sense of obedience. All work must be done in obedience. In spite of us, in spite of us obeying the voice of God, why do we face so many attacks? Uh, it's a very complicated two parts, actually, if you look at the question. Right and wrong is in God's hand. Man's action should not be governed by the knowledge of good and evil. It should be motivated by a sense of obedience. Actually, that was the way God intended it to be. If you look at it in the beginning, Man did not live by the knowledge of good and evil. Actually, he was asked not to eat. God said, if you eat, you will die. Because what it actually does is, it makes man, in sense, what the devil said was only half a lie, the other half was truth. He becomes the arbiter, arbiter of, of what truth. is right and yes. wrong. That's what happens. When he ate it, he became God. Not like God and God all knowledge, but he decided what is right and wrong. But Adam and Eve were not supposed to live like that. They were supposed to live by uh, trusting God, listening to God, and by revelation. That's why God walked with them every day. It was mm -hmm. out of that walking with God that they were supposed to know what to do and what not to do. And that's the way faith takes us back. So the fallen man lives by sight and our first act of faith is we believe in the work of Jesus Christ. And from there, it is supposed to be a life of faith. Then faith, if you look at it, the most important part is obedience. Mm, yes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And faith without work, that work will always have obedience, is dead. It does not have life. So it is a sense of obedience. But this is the obedience that comes from faith. Paul will say that in the beginning of Romans and the end of yes, Romans also, yes. the obedience that comes by faith. Mm. In spite of us obeying the voice of God, why do we face attacks? 
Actually, it is the other way. If you obey the voice of God, you will face attacks. You will face attacks. Because we are living, literally, we are living in <coughs> hostile territory. Living in hostile territory. Think about two. Think about what's happening where in between Russia and Ukraine where the war is actually going on, the border. There is not a border. Russia has crossed the border. But those villages and town, they haven't slept at all. Because day and night the attacks are going on. The attacks are going on. The only way the attack will stop <coughs> is if Ukraine surrenders. If Ukraine surrenders to the intruder in Russia, attacks will stop. If you want to stop the attacks, we surrender to the devil. We don't surrender to the devil, the attacks will continue. <coughs> because it's a clash of two kingdoms. Okay, and the devil knows he has very little short time. In the Bible, in Revelation 12, it says he knows he's got very short time, so he has come with great, great wrath. So we will face attacks. The attacks will continue our life. But the whole idea is, is through these attacks, actually we grow. Without these attacks, we will not grow. Attack, another word of attack is pressure. Where there is no pressure, people don't grow. So it is not whether there are attacks or pressure. It's a question is how do we tackle it? Okay. And along with that comes suffering. Okay. Where there are attacks, there is suffering. Either it's a physical suffering, your body has been attacked, or it is a suffering in your soul because that's a, two ways it happens. Either they attack you physically, in persecuted nations, or whether there is a sense of law and order, they will attack you through other ways. Other ways they will attack you. So both are attacks. One is in your soul, your emotions, your reason, your mind, constant attack, or on the other hand, physical attack. Sometimes it's a combination of both. And when it comes, the Bible says, we stand, we stand. We cannot buckle. If we buckle under that pressure, then we go. A lot of people, a lot of people. We are not talking here about temptations. The temptation is always to mm. give in. Okay, mm. I can't handle it anymore. Quit. And the Bible constantly talks about do not grow weary. Mm. Do not grow weary. Do not grow weary in doing what is right, what God has called you to do. <clears throat> because the old covenant sense of victory and the new covenant sense of victory are different. Sometimes what happens is people read the old covenant and says, okay, if I'm going to be 100% obedient, then I will always have victory. But there it was different. There they were fighting for possessing a physical land. Mm. And they were fighting physical enemies, the Canaanites, the Amorites and all of them. So the promise was given. Here we are not fighting for a physical land. No. We are fighting for flesh and blood. We are not fighting against them. So what happens is our fight is more difficult, actually. If you know your physical enemy, you can fight it. But God says they will come, but you are not fighting them. You are not fighting them. You are fighting powers of darkness. Powers of darkness don't come to us directly. If they come to us directly with the power and the authority, the Spirit of God, the Word of God gives, it would be easier to fight them. They come through people. That is the issue. They come through people. So how do we, it's like, like two armies fighting. See, even a small country like Ukraine, it was able to stop Russia because it is face to face. 
you are face, fighting face to face. The enemy is known, the enemy is visible. But India has been fighting an insurgency in Kashmir for the past 75 years. Because it's unseen mm. enemy. You can't see. The terrorist looks like the civilian. The civilian looks like the terrorist. So you are always on your guard 24-7. And that the soldier has to operate by rules. The terrorist has no rules. Has no rules. And that's what God is saying. The enemy, when he uses flesh and blood, they don't play by the rules. Oh. But we are asked to play by the rules. The rule is that you shall love them. You shall love your enemies. You shall bless your enemies. You shall not curse your enemies. And then it becomes very difficult how to f- do this way with the seen enemy and yet fight the unseen enemy. That is our struggle. But it is in that process faith comes. Because faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is not seen. So we see that realm and we believe what God has done and we fight and the attacks will continue. Sometimes there is a season of peace. Sometimes there will be constant battle. That thing goes on. You you will realize in every war it goes on. There will be some seasons of little as if war has stopped. Then again it will start. And this continues. You see in the book of Acts, there were intense persecutions, seasons of peace. The cycle goes on. But at the personal level, there is no other way you will grow. And the reason is because it is through this that God is building in us what we need to become what he wants us to become. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, yeah, verse 16 and 17, 16 and 17. 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. If you want to be glorified, if you want to reign with him, then we have to suffer with him. You need to realize Jesus never suffered at the hands of the powers of darkness. Never did. You always overcame them. But he suffered in the hands of man. Mm. It was men that he used, the devil used, to harm him. But they could never prevail over him. The powers of darkness could never prevail over him. But because he suffered and he did not sin, he did not give in, he overcame, the Father has exalted him to the highest place. And God says in the same manner, if you suffer with him, you shall be glorified or you shall reign with him. So the attacks will continue. And we have to fight. We have to fight. We have to fight. And uh, it's that to, it, is, it is to that what we are called. But how we fight, we have to be very, very careful about it. We fight powers of darkness. And uh, we pray for people. We pray for people. It is, it is not an easy battle. That's where we need discernment. Because God will tell you. Because in this spiritual warfare, uh, you learn from the old covenant. Because there is war. And there is warfare. So you learn every, any time they did not check with God, whether it was David or Joshua, they lost. David never lost because he always checked with God. But Joshua did not check with God. Mm. And he got deceived. 
and it was not a big city that destroyed him. It was a small that's city true. that defeated them. Very small city. God is saying that if you're not, that's what the Bible, the portion we, we read over there, the spirit himself bears with witness oh. our spirit. We are children of God. And the previous verse, if I'm right, will say is as many yeah, as are 13. led. Yeah, 13. 13. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the mature. It's not going, when you use the English term, uh, children, that's not what the Greek term is. The Greek term is these are mature children of God, those who have known how to fight and how to win. The others are children, and children will never win. So there's a, this is this, the, that verse uh, 17 says, if we are sons who are led by the Spirit of God, we suffer with him, we will be heirs with him. Mm. We are co-heirs with him. But if we remain in our salvation, never grow, and just remain a child. This is what it says in Galatians 4.1. Galatians 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. If we enter into the kingdom of God as a child who never grew through battle, we are a child of God, but we inherit nothing. We lose in eternity. But on the other hand, if we suffer with him, we will inherit, we will reign or we will be glorified with him. That's where the attacks comes. Unless we see that perspective, we will give in. Mm. We will give in. That's where the constant call in the Bible is not to give up, not to give up, not to give up. Like in the one we use during the prayers is from Luke 18, one, men also to always pray and not lose heart. And not lose heart. Why not lose heart? Because you are not looking at temporal victory. We are not looking at temporal victory. We are looking at eternal victory. Because in uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, which talks about faith, faith, there's a transition that takes place at verse 35. We go to Hebrews 11 and verse 35. Till then we like it. But when the transition takes place at 11.35, people tune off. Women received the dead raised to life again. That Till that we like. Others were tortured. Hmm not accepting deliverance. They were offered a compromise. If you recant Jesus, if you give up your faith, you can be free. But they refused. Therefore, they were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a bitter resurrection. Better resurrection. So they had two choices. Either live now and not die, or die now and live then. And they chose the second. And the Bible says, still others had the trial of mockings and scourgings and yes, of chains and imprisonment. Sorry, sir. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, they were stoned, they were sawn into two, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all this having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They are all waiting to get their resurrection body. Oh, That's the boy. main thing. Everybody is waiting. It will be only given together. Then we will know who are the overcomers because their bodies will differ. Everybody's body will differ more glorious, less glorious, no glory at all. That is how you will identify people there by their glory. So there are two kinds of people over here. Those who, before verse 35, who overcome, who got their dead back, quench the flame, shut the mouth of the lions. That's one group. That also happens now. 
then there is the other group this and both have to win if that is the one you are called to then you have to win that if you are thrown into the lions den then you have if you are called to shut the mouth of the lions you have to shut the mouth of the lions but if you are called to be to be devoured by the lions without compromising then you have to go through so it is in god's hands in his sovereignty he chooses each path for everyone and in that path you have to be victorious it's not that everyone shut the mouth of lions daniel did so it doesn't become a pattern in the bible most of the people in the first century they were killed by the lions mm. they did not come out so you cannot say daniel came out i will come out no that's it. the whole idea is whether you come out or whether you don't come out you will never compromise on your faith that is the key you know the rest is left into god's hands yes pastor so there's another quick question which is on a similar lines mm-hmm. this is question number 7 and two parts mm. it says in galatians chapter 6 9 it says let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time you will reap if we do not grow weary but again if this is the reason asking once and waiting in faith should be sufficient so why is this persistence and perseverance necessary in prayer please explain yeah it's second yeah. part will also okay, ask I, i pray every day for the ones in the government officers should stop their conniving malicious ways and fall to the ground and die <laughs> i i know we have not we have not to hurt them or harm them then why does god not hear us when he, when he can see the injustice okay two parts we'll go to the first part let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary again if this is the reason asking once and waiting in faith should be sufficient so why is persistence and perseverance necessary in prayer explain it's simply because of the nature of the battle we are in we have an enemy who neither sleeps nor slumbers in that he is like god he never <laughs> gives god never sleeps nor slumbers who is watching over his children this fellow is forever watching and going around whom he can devour we have a spiritual enemy who never rests 24/7 mm. he never rests and the other side of this thing is therefore prayer prayer is basically uh, spiritual warfare i mean one side of prayer is warfare so you are fighting that's why the bible says pray without ceasing the purpose of prayer one of the fundamental purpose of prayer is not to have your way with god it is for god to have your way with you mm-hmm. and we discover the will of god in the word of god and in our prayer closet and once we have discovered the will of god in our prayer closet it is our job to bring it to pass once we have discovered the reason is uh, god in his sovereignty gave man dominion man does not have total dominion he exercises dominion under god if he had total dominion then when he sinned god couldn't have kicked him out but god kicked him out because it was under god but god still goes by his word he says i have given you so the bible says in one of the psalms the earth i have given to the sons of man yes, yes. you know he's given us the earth mm-hmm. so god respects his word god respects his word what he has said he will not go against it so when you have a situation on earth and this is god's will for man he's looking for a man who will understand his will and through prayer bring it to pass on earth 
That is why God is saying, I looked for a man. Psalm 115.16. Psalm 115.16. Psalm 115.16. Verse 16. Verse 16. I looked for a man, yes. 115. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Okay, so he has given. God is sovereign overall. He is working through it all, but he respects what he has given to man. Okay, like, you know, just like um, you buy your adult child a bike or a car, you respect it. Okay. You don't tell him where to go with it. You give him basic instructions and say, this is the way you need to drive. Don't misuse it and all. But after that, he has the freedom. The freedom. Okay, freedom to do it. It is in his hands. We know it has been given to him. We don't say that is my bike. At the most, we'll say that's a bike I bought for him. It is his bike. We accept that, accept that sense of ownership. So that is what God is doing. And God respects what he has done. That is why even when man sinned and fell and man had to be redeemed, God to redeem it had to come as man. Hmm. And God could not do it as God. Hmm. He didn't do it because he is staying within his own righteousness because he has magnified his word above all he has spoken. So Jesus is called the son of man. Christ, the eternal God, has to be born through a woman as man and he has to redeem man. That is how, as man, he defeats Satan and takes dominion back. He dominion backs. He does not defeat Satan as God. Then he doesn't need to do anything. One word, Satan is finished. He doesn't do that. When he comes a second time, that's how he will do. He will just destroy him by the brilliance of his coming. Mm. The first time he came as man, suffered as man, did not sin, overcame sin, overcame death. And overcame Satan as man. And that is what he's asking us to do. You also can. I have shown you the way. The penalty is taken away. The power is there. But now you have to fight it through. Therefore, as man, our job is to bring the will of God to come to pass. And that's what it's talking about. We we looked at it in one of the uh, prayer meetings. Prayer sessions, yes. When we said about Elijah has a man of prayer. There is a situation in Israel. First, you need to align yourself to the will of God. And the first will of God is that no one should perish. This is the will of God. It's in Second uh, Peter 3.9, that no one should perish but come to repentance. That is the will of God. So if that is the will of God and we are praying for the salvation of people, of people turning back to God, God is able to reveal further things to us. So there is a man called Elijah. We don't know anything about him except that he was from a place called Tishbe. We don't know who his father is, who we don't know his mother is. The only thing we know that this man had this burden. His prayer was that God would turn the hearts of the people back. He saw Baal worship. He saw the Israelites all going into idolatry. Here is a man praying and then God is able to speak to him. This is my will also that Israel should turn back. Now I will tell you what to do. I heard your prayer. Now you go to Ahab and say, this is it until my word comes. Okay, the Bible says in First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1, when he's speaking to Ahab, he uses a particular term over there. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. The question is, how did he stand before God in his prayer closet? Mm. That's where you stand before God. That's where you make your petitions before God. Come boldly, confidently to the throne, throne, throne group of grace and receive mercy and grace for every need. What is that? That's your prayer closet. Mm. 
It's in your prayer closet you enter into the presence of God and he is saying before whom I stand. This is a man of prayer. He said, I have stood before God and God wants to turn the heart of the people back and this is the way. How did you discover it? I discovered it in the will of God. I did not know. My heart was that they would turn. How they would turn? Mm. What would be God's method? We discover it. And this is it. There will be no dew or rain these years except at my word. He does not even say these many years. He does not know. That has not been told to him yet. Because we discovered the will only progressively. Mm -hmm. God hasn't tell you, like he may tell Paul, he will stand before Gentiles and kings. But he doesn't say which kings and which Gentiles. That you will discover on the way. I just give you in a nutshell. But how, Mm -hmm. what all will happen, we will discover it on the way. So here is he. He stands before God. He prays. He discovers, he speaks, and then he's incognito. God has to hide him up for three and a half years. And then suddenly, in 18.1, God comes to him and says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, I will send rain on the earth. And the next thing you see is all of them gathered on the mountain. We know all of us know what happened is that Fire comes down, the prophets of Baal are destroyed, the people all fall on their face, they accept Yahweh is God, so there is repentance, people have turned back. And then he's back on the mountain, he's praying. The question is, why are you praying? You are praying because I know the will of God, the rain will come. I will send rain on earth. Now he needs a man who will pray and bring that rain down. Mm. He has discovered, he's not praying for rain. He has already known rain is coming because God has spoken. He has discovered the will of God and now he's bringing it down. So that's why we have to pray. And he can never give up because certain things may, may take a long time. Like Daniel, if you look at in Daniel, the interesting thing is that in that uh, where he talks hmm, uh, Daniel 10 and verse 12 and 13, 12 and 13. Then he said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Hmm. So his prayer was answered the first day. Not the second day or the third day. First day, he looked at God. This man's prayer is according to my will. First day you heard and have come because of your word. I brought the answer. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So there is... There is a prayer request answered in heaven in the spiritual realm and there is a receiving it on earth even for one of the most righteous men mentioned by God Mm. in the old covenant. Noah, Job, Daniel. Mm. Right? 21 days it took for the answer to come. It's not that God cannot do it but God is teaching certain things to Daniel. This is how perseverance comes that you will not quit. Like even in the world, people have perseverance. Once they are hooked on to something their flesh wants, they will pursue it. And God says in the same way, you pursue the things of God because these are characteristics which are needed for kings to rule. Kings mm. to rule. These are part of the virtue, like to your faith, add virtue, Peter will say. This is all part of the virtue of God. Which stood me 21 days and behold, Michael one of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone. So in prayer, in this case, it is just for understanding of something, a revelation. But certain things, it is not 21 days. It may be 21 years. Wow. 
maybe 15 years, 16 years. We never know how long we'll have to pray for certain, especially for the salvation of people. You'll never know how long it will take. So there are certain things you can never quit on, which is the salvation of people. You can never, never quit on that. You will have to always pray through. So that's where perseverance is net. Okay. The second part was asking about... Uh, See, the thing is that again about governments and offices, thing is that we need to understand this did not start yesterday or today. This government structure where the elite ruling over the majority started from the time of Babylon, Babel in Genesis 10. That's how Babylonian structure came in. It has been continued in every dispensation. Whether you would call it monarchy or dictatorship or democracy, it has been wealth and power has been concentrated in the hands of a few and they rule over the other. This has been continuing. And to continue their power, they will always oppress the people. So this has got nothing new. This has been happening from generation to generation for thousands of years. And... God will remove them only in his time. He won't remove them in our time. Because if every generation cried and uh, God removed it, then Jesus would have come in the first century. But he didn't. God has his own timing when these things will happen. Our job is to cry, but we cannot, uh, we cannot pray. They fall to the ground and die. We pray that they repent and turn. Okay, because it is not the will of God. We we fight powers of darkness and we fight like I personally only fight like Elijah fought the prophets of Baal. I leave. Uh, Elijah did not say take Ahab and kill him in the valley down. Only the prophets of Baal. So when we pray, we don't kill them, but we pray all those who are in occult and sorcery and witchcraft. And the demons they are sending to destroy us, we send them back to you. In the process, if they die, it's their problem. It's not our problem. But what you sent to us, we will send back. We will not receive it. And in the process, they die. They die. But we don't otherwise pray. We pray because uh, the, the one of the most powerful yet persecuted churches are in China, in North Korea, in Iran. But God hasn't changed their dispensations. They are very powerful prayer warriors, but nothing has changed. It is only continuing like that. So we in this world, like the Western world or in South India, where persecution is not so much, our prayers sound like a joke to God. What are you praying for? What is your persecution? What is your persecution? But he says they are not changing. They are praying for They are praying for the kingdoms. The best way, the best way, to change the dispensation is we do what God has called us to do. And that he says in Matthew 24 and verse 15. That is our duty. Yeah. One way like, or other. Like okay. Mm. okay. 15. 15. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 15. Sorry. One five. Which is this, this gospel of the kingdom? Yeah. Verse 12. Verse okay. 12. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 12. Verse 12 and 13. Both are together again. Sorry. Mm. 12 and 13, yes. No. Go for the next one. Gospel of the kingdom. 
Yeah. Yes, yes, 14. Yes. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end. This is the final. This is the most important. Before that, there will be persecution, bitter, all this famine, all this thing. But if you want the end to come, it's our duty to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we all partner in it. It's not that everybody preaches. There are few who are called to preach, but everybody is called to send. It's mm. like an army. The actual number of people who actually fight will be a small number, but the army is huge. It is part of the logistics. So the, you have army supply corps and army nursing corps and medical corps, all these things are there, but these people don't fight. There is the infantry and the armored brigade. They are the ones who fight. So, but these are the support troops in the same way. Everybody, all of like what Sammy is doing, Brother Banu is doing, it's all part of preaching the gospel. It is all part of preaching the gospel. We are all part of it. And when we do that, the end will come. That is when the end comes. Mm. And the Bible says, if I am right um, in Revelation 11.15, then 11.15 or 11.5. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of the Lord and of his Christ. Then it shall reign forever and ever. Because you see, God is, God does intervene and changes at times dispensations. But you see, at the end of the day, what we have is one fallen man replacing another fallen. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you look in North Korea, every time the next son took a, he was worse than his father. The same thing is true in Israel's history. The fellow who comes is worse than his father. What his father did not do, he did. So we have to look at it and ultimately we have to look. We are part of God's kingdom. We are not part of this citizenship. We are not part, our, we are not part of this. Our, we have an earthly citizenship and paperwork, but ultimately we have to believe we are part of the kingdom of God. And what happens is, honestly, both in the persecuted church and the western world, until the leadership becomes so wicked, the church will not be ready to go home. That's actual fact. The church will not be ready to go or welcome her Messiah, her bridegroom. Because comfortable. she is very comfortable. comfortable. So God will take us out of our comfort zone. <laughs> and that is why he gives us these kind of leaders. Then the church starts crying, Lord, Maranatha. At a personal level, we know when we have trouble, our prayer life changes. <laughs> we know when there is no trouble, there is no prayer life. At a personal level, to a national <laughs> level, it is the same, same story. Same story. <laughs> God says, do you know what is the solution to all your troubles? My kingdom come. Mm. And that's our prayer. But we don't, even when we pray there, pray that prayer, most Christians don't mean it at all. Thy kingdom come. Mm. Thy will be done. Thy name be hallowed. Actually, what they say and they mean, my name be hallowed, my <laughs> kingdom come, and my will be done. Okay? So that everyone will see my power and my glory. <laughs> but, okay? But, when these things happen, the church actually gets into prayer mode. And, uh, no. But, like again, you see 75 years of uh, communism in Russia fell. Well, what do they have now? They have Putin. Putin. It didn't change. 
Okay. We need to realize, never look for utopia on earth. It is not going to happen. God may give you seasons, but every, if you look into the word of God, the most stunning picture in the word of God is what happens at the end of the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. God is saying, I want you to understand the problem is sin. Problem is sin. It is not even so much Satan. We can blame Satan, but it's not so much Satan, though Satan has to take responsibility for what he does. But otherwise, how is it that during the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, when we are practically back in the Garden of Eden, perfect environment, everything, things are so beautiful, it's peace, it's prosperity, long life, no sickness, all this is happening and no Satan, no demonic intervention. Christ ruling with his saints all around the earth for a thousand years. And when Satan is released, it's the most stunning part in Revelation 20. When he is released, he is able to go and deceive everybody and turn them against Christ. So what was the problem? The problem is none of our issues or problem or dispensation or administration. It is a sin in man. Mm. And that is why eternity is actually beginning after the thousand year of reign mm. Jesus Christ. Even when Jesus is ruling on earth, there is sin on earth. Only sin won't be allowed to be manifested because he rules with the rod of iron. But post that, after Revelation 21 begins, there is no sin. There is no Satan. We have been removed from the presence of sin complete. That is when eternity begins and Jesus has subdued all his enemies. The last enemy, death also has been overcome and the kingdom is handed over to the Father and the Father starts ruling. That is Revelation 21. Till then, we will see, basically, it is a fallen man. So, God does hear when he can see injustice. He does hear the church can, that's why the church cannot stop praying. Like, like, oh, this is a question from North America. So if you want injustice, injustice to stop, let us say, in United States of America or Canada, what do you need to do? You need to preach the gospel. Let us say Canada, I don't know what Canada's population. Let us say US has 350 million people of which around 100 million, 150 million people vote in. Imagine of the 150 million people who vote, 100 million people in the next two years are saved and taught and discipled. The nation will change. The nation will change. Mm. God says, you want justice? This is what you need. Preach One person at a time. Preach the gospel, change their thinking, then they will elect leaders who are righteous, and your country will change in a democracy. In a monarchy, it's a different thing. See, many of the things written by Peter and all, this all written about in monarchy. Mm. These are kings. Kings can't be changed. It's passed on to the son. But you pray that you will have peace. You pray they will have peace. Okay, so in democracies you can. But the whole idea is that the one weapon God has given to us is what we have to use. If we preach the gospel, and we disciple the nation. We make disciples. You know what? Because if you look at US, yesterday's uh, that Pew poll came in and found 
in America's history. It is the lowest recorded since this polis was taken of the number of people who actually believe in God anymore. Christianity is going down. Faith is going down in the U.S., not up. So when you fail, see, it's a simple thing which God has put. Nature abhors a vacuum. If God goes out, something comes in. God comes in, the devil goes out. That's how it happens. And the church's job, the church failed. And the church in America, around the world, the Western world failed because they allowed heresy to come in and they took the kingdom of God out and they preached the world to the people. They preached the world. It is now. And that changed the eyes of man. Because the Bible says the things that we see are not real. They are temporal. The things that we do not see are eternal. And the gospel is preached about the kingdom. It is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Once we move that out, so if you want justice, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. That's it. Preach the gospel. Because it's it's as simple. If you have a nation of 150,000 people or 1 million people, the day 500,000, one person, the 500,000 plus and one is a believer, then you are a majority. And in democracies, it's the will of the majority. And suddenly the things. That's a simple thing. That's how it works. That's how the gospel spread and Western nations changed because the gospel went, people became Christian and kings changed, mm. democracies came in, and the nation changed. And the prosperity of the West was, was primarily because of the gospel. But the devil was never at uh, sleeping. He was still working and he turned it all around. That is why it is not only asked by Adam to work, he was also asked to watch. watch and and that's what keep, Jesus said. Mm. He didn't ask us just to pray. Mm. He said, watch, watch and, and pray. pray. We just prayed. We did not watch. <laughs> and because we were not watching, the enemy came in and he destroyed homes and nations. So pray. And pray the gospel will go to the end of the world. And the kingdom will come. And that is the day of justice. Justice will roll. Peace will flow like a river. People will live in peace. At least for a thousand years, mankind will see what could have been done. Yes, Pastor Vita. Oh, so there's two questions. I think they should, uh, again, on the similar lines. They should be tackled one after the other. Eight. This is questions eight and nine. Okay, just put them both together. Satan wants to bring destruction. What should our response be? Satan cultivates indifference. How should we respond in our prayer closet? Basically, it's the same kind of answer. Satan wants to bring destruction. What should be our response be? Our response is submit to God and resist, resist the, the devil. devil. <laughs> the devil, you have to resist him. And this is very clear. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. His agenda is destruction. Christ's agenda is life. Mm. But he says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. So if you go to the first part of the question, Satan comes to bring destruction. What should our response be? We submit to God and we resist the devil. One is the resistance part. But resistance alone won't do. That's only half the work. Only half the work. Okay? That is... Uh, that is like uh, it says in the book of James about the sin of omission. Omission, yeah. There is sin of commission For and sure. the sin of omission. Okay. And uh, Christians are all often guilty of the sin of omission. 
The sin of omission is you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do. The sin of commission is you know what you're not supposed to do, but you do it. Mm. And even if you don't do what you are not supposed to do, that does not make you an active Christian, mm. a useful Christian. You are just passive. Passive. The kingdom of God is not passive. It is violent. The, king, the kingdom of God advances with violence. See, Buddhism never really spread. And Buddhism lost its complete character. Anywhere in the world where you see Buddhist society, you don't see Buddha's Buddhism. Mm. You don't see Buddha's Buddhism. What you see is a demonic, tantric form of Buddhism. That is not what Buddha preached. Because the problem with Buddhism is, Buddhism is a very passive religion. And passive religions will not go anywhere. See, any religion, if you look at religion, any religion which has spread has to be active. Active. Islam. Okay. Yeah, Before Islam and Christianity Christian. is active. Proselytizing is part of it. Jews did not want anybody becoming a Jew. <laughs> so they never proselyte everything. They stayed away from everybody and told everybody stay away. You, when you want to come to our temple, we'll make an extra place for you. Call the court of Gentiles. <laughs> you cross, we'll kill you. So they were not interested. Okay. So that's the way it is. In the same way in the spiritual realm, what you need to, what we need to understand, it is not enough to resist him. We also need to be active on the other side. Active on the other side. That is how we destroy the devil. Jesus is very clear. He says in 1 John, for this purpose I came to destroy the works of yeah. the devil. Yes. So the job of the church is to destroy the works of the devil. And we destroy the works of the devil by advancing the kingdom. Yeah. There are two kingdoms. Okay, There are two kingdoms. The church if it's obedient under Christ Jesus, has been given power over all the power of the enemy. Mm. See, I still remember that speech. I think many of these young men may not have been born or they must have been little children then. It was when V.P. Singh became the Prime Minister of India. Nobody even remembers Mandal politics. Mandal, Mandal, Mandal Commission. <laughs> Mandal Commission, Mandal politics and V.P. Singh and all. But he made a statement in one of his speeches, which always struck. I don't know how old I was then. It was when was he prime minister in the nineties, right? Yeah, in the nineties. Yeah, okay, that was a long time ago, thirty years ago. I still remember one line he said, which struck in my mind. A beautiful line he said in his speech. He said, "A country is not a map drawn on a piece of a paper. It lives in the hearts of the people." He said, "The hearts are divided. The country is divided." Okay, because when we talk about a country, we always look at a map. The, a map is not uh, a country. The country is the people. When you talk about India, if there are no Indians, there is no India. Mm. Nobody talks about the nation of Sahara. Though it is land. Hmm. It is land. Nobody talks about Sahara because there are no people there. Okay, But uh, nobody talks about the Arctic and Antarctic, only in terms of minerals. It never talks in terms people, of people. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's what we need to understand. When you talk about a kingdom, it composes about people. Satan is not fighting for territory. He's fighting for souls. Mm. It's people he wants because he knows God loves people. Now he's evil, he's wicked, and the only joy he can get, if he has joy, the only joy he can get is by causing God pain. Okay, And the way he causes God pain is by destroying people. The way we bring joy to God is by saving people. Mm. So this is what we need to do. 
Satan wants to bring destruction. How does he bring destruction? By holding people captive, blinding people, taking them down the pathway of sin and keeping them from hearing the gospel and getting saved. How do we destroy the works of the devil? By preaching the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. The power of the kingdom is manifested because in the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Every time, you see the kingdom of God never shrinks. This is something which we need to understand. It cannot shrink. The kingdom of God is always growing because everyone is born into the enemy's kingdom. Yep. He's not born into the God's mm-hmm. kingdom. Everyone is born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Even he's born of believing peerless. He's only positionally holy. He's not functionally holy. He has to be saved. So the thing is that every time one person is saved, you have destroyed the enemy. You're adding on to this side. So how do we destroy the enemy? We destroy the enemy by saving people, mm. by preaching the gospel. If you look at uh, uh, Romans chapter 1 and where, verse uh, 16. And 17. Yeah. Well, let's read from verse 14 onwards. Okay. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So what happens is in the gospel there is power. See, the problem is, the problem with Christians is thing. Christians think like religious people. If I am a Hindu, if I have to convert Pastor Vijay, there are various forms of Hindus. If I have to convert Pastor Vijay to my form, I have to conv- convert him. I have to convince him with my ideas mm. and change his entire thinking. And then he says, ah, I agree with you and that. Or if you are a Muslim or if you are any. But that's not how Christianity works. Christianity works by faith. You are not trying to convince anybody. You just witness what God has said. In that, what you say, there is the power of God. That's the difference. It is not. Mm-hmm. In religion, it's the power of man. Mm-hmm. In the gospel, it's the power of God. Mm-hmm. That is the difference. No, it is the purpose. It is. In religion, it's the power of power of man, like Islam. Let us be honest about it. Islam has spread by the sword. Yes. Spread by the sword. Okay. And any religion that spreads is because religion offers you something. What does the gospel offer? The gospel offers you freedom from the penalty of sin, which religion cannot offer. Cannot offer. It is not possible for any religion to offer you freedom from the penalty of sin. <clears throat> it is the power of God. That is why we're talking about power of God to salvation. It yep. is the salvation of man. The in the gospel, for in the gospel, it is the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes. It doesn't matter who you are. If you believe in this gospel, Christ died for you. You repent, you believe, and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what you receive is verse 17. You receive a righteousness that is of God. Mm. It is not man's. In it, the righteousness of, of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's not the righteousness of religion. The righteousness of religion is the righteousness of the works of man. In the gospel is the righteousness of God. 
So our job is to believe there is power in the gospel and every time we preach, trust God. God knows who will be saved, who will not be saved. But every time somebody is saved, what happens is we destroy the devil's kingdom. His kingdom is shrinking. His kingdom is, his kingdom is not growing. We think it's growing. It's not growing. Natural birth, it grows. But actually his kingdom is shrinking because people are getting saved coming out, coming out of his kingdom into the kingdom of God. So that's how our response should be. He wants to big bring our destruction. What should our response be? Our response should be preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Preach the gospel. And that is second part. Too. It's the same thing, indifference. Basically, when you're talking about uh, the Christians are guilty of not doing. Uh, that's an indifference. Yeah, particular. indifference. That's, that's the, the thing. Problem. Satan cultivates indifference yeah, because, you know what? Mm-hmm. Because the problem is the Christian is thinking in religious terms, oh, it's so difficult to convert this person. He says, God says, no. First in your prayer closet, you tackle the powers of darkness because the Bible says the ruler of this world has blinded. So there is a blinding that takes place. In prayer, what we do is we remove that blindfold off. Constant. It's constant. How long it will take the blindfold to take off, we don't know. But our job is to fight. So in the prayer closet, you fight the powers of darkness which blind the people. And in the physical realm, you preach the gospel. You witness. And it it differs. To a stranger, you may witness the gospel. But to the people among whom you live, primarily your home, your workplace, your life is your witness. It's not your words. It's not your words. It's not your words. Because the Bible says, they will come and ask you, what What is the reason reason for your your hope? hope. If you turn with me to, yeah, no, um, uh, go to John chapter, yeah, sorry. It's another thing. John chapter uh, 1 and if I'm right, verse 4. In him was life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. It was Jesus. In Jesus was that life. When they saw that life, even Nicodemus was the ruler of the Jews, came in the night and said, I know you are from God. Mm. What did he see? What did Jesus have that Nicodemus did not have? Jesus had a life. It was the life of the Father. What is that Mm. we have? We are given the life of Jesus Christ. So if we walk by faith and continue to walk by faith, what is growing? Actually, this is what happens. If we grow by sight, our life increases. If we grow by faith, the life of Christ increases. And when they see the life of Christ, there can be only two responses. Either you are saved mm. or either you love that person or you yeah. hate that person. Yes. There will be no neutrality. Wow. You are with God or you are against God. That is what the life of. So you will see with Jesus there was no neutrality. Either people were for him or they were against him. With Paul, people were for him or against him. When you are indifferent, people... <laughs> Like you, because you, you bring no conviction to their lives, bring no convictions to their life. And that's, that's what the devil does. The devil knows that it's very, very dangerous, uh, a man or a woman or a child on fire for God. It's a very dangerous person to his kingdom. So what he brings is, he brings indifference. And that's why if you look at the Laodicean church, the church in Laodicea, uh, of the seven churches, you have the God has nothing good to say about them. Nothing good to say about that church. 
not one word does he say <laughs> good all the other churches he had something yes, to say yes. something good was he even if he told repent and all he said okay this thing i like about you this church he has nothing and if you look at them they're absolutely indifferent different. yes no absolutely what is lukewarm it is indifferent mm. they're absolutely indifferent to the kingdom they're gung-ho about the world indifferent about the kingdom so what the way the bible what does the devil do he brings indifference he brings indifference and when indifferent church is of no harm to him they can't do anything to him no, they can't do anything to him so that's the answer to that question mm. pastor there's again a few more questions on against satanic the way satan works yeah. this is question number 10 <clears throat> um satan works through enshrinement we can combat pride when we pray that god will never let us become more impressed with the ministry than with him so how do we ensure that the ministry doesn't become an idol is i believe what is is asking and chairman you just try to idolize i think that's what he's trying to yeah, thing thing is that um, see satan will never leave anybody alone okay he will come after you in so many different ways and uh, the only you the only way you come back to pride is by humbling yourself Mm-hmm. it's very practical you need theory you need to understand the theory and then you need to understand do the practical the theory part is this you and i can never save anybody and our prayers will achieve nothing first thing to understand nobody can be saved by the power of man it is god who saves your prayer or my prayer is not doing anything other than discovering and causing the will of god which has already determined to come to pass mm. we are not doing anything new over here oh i god said that was always my will i just <laughs> used you to bring it to pass that is it so because these are the two things of ministry either you call him a powerful preacher or a prayer warrior these are two titles which people you know but god says the power is in god it is in his word and if you look at it that is how it matters that uh, even a donkey can speak to an or to a prophet you know it's god's word that will not go void god's word you can have the most powerful speaker in the world speaking something which can excite the masses but it cannot bring salvation one thing he cannot do we can bring the most uh, stuttering person who has no gift of speech at all he with his broken language like dl moody he had no grammar you can preach the gospel and people get saved <laughs> that is the difference that is one thing which we need to understand so the simple thing jesus used that parable that beautiful parable about at the end of the day unprofitable so we are unprofitable servants we can add nothing to god we can subtract nothing from god mm. and it's a fact <laughs> whether you believe it or not it's more than a fact it is a truth okay it is the truth and that's what god is talking about that is the truth how do we combat this is constantly one of the ways in which we um, practical ways is like jesus 
you know jesus did it we learned from the master now he was the best teacher ever if you go to the gospel according to john and chapter 6 verse 14 and 15 then those men when they had seen the sign that jesus did and said this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world <laughs> therefore when jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king he departed again to the mountain by himself alone he didn't even allow his disciples to come with him he just walked away get away from the crowds if you if you are a powerful preacher and you got a fan flow following the simple thing is to get away from the crowds don't listen to the crowds don't listen to their praises don't listen to their tarif all that walk away from even he knew he was came in the flesh there's a temptation you walked away from it with temptation the simple thing is to do is flee and the bible says hmm. he was in the mountain all by himself he was praying he was crying out to god so you know dad this is not me this is you it was you who did it it was not i i will not take glory and i will not allow it to get into my head i will not do it my way your will be done and then coming back to the the question you know uh, it is it's just not prayer prayer is there prayer part is there that's where we where we go and humble ourselves the thing is that there's a practical part of it there's a prayer part and there's a practical part we walk away from those things we walk away from those things because you will see when paul and silas they thought they were gods and hmm. but they said we are just like you Tore and tore their this thing and they got they got beaten up yes if they hadn't done it and received the adulation of the crowd and allowed themselves to be worshiped as uh, gods and all the people would have carried them around but they refused because that belongs to god only instead what happened the crowd turns against them and beats them up so it it's better to be get beaten <laughs> up than try to steal god's glory that is really yeah that's more dangerous yes yeah, more dangerous which is more dangerous yeah. <laughs> i mean it's very interesting that yeah. herod was did not give god glory he immediately god. was eaten up by worms and then that's like <laughs> that's something which we are not we are not god even after resurrection we will not be god <laughs> god says i want you to be like me in character mm. otherwise god is god but so there's so many questions among about the uh, workings of satan mm. i think you should look at another one also this is question number okay. 11 uh, uh person asks uh does satan want to seek carnal intercessors would you agree that it could be possible the solution to this subtle corruption would be to pray that god will have full control over every intercessor's life like uh how can they be, can there be consciousness no they cannot be, be like, if you are using the term intercessor, intercessor not yeah. just as a prayer person who prays mm-hmm. intercessor intercession intercessor is a very difficult or no very different term in christian terminology because jesus is the intercessor he is the one who stands between god and man the holy spirit is an intercessor an intercessor only prays according to the will of god mm. he is praying or she is praying for the will of god to come to pass 
the others are bringing their prayers and supplications. Yeah, yeah. Don't confuse prayers and supplications. It's intercession. With intercession. Yeah, yes, yes. Intercession is to bring God's will down on earth. So you cannot have carnal intercessors. You can have you can have misguided intercessors. Okay. Who get it wrong by thinking about dominion theology. Uh, I believe in part of dominion theology, not all of dominion theology. There's a dominion theology which has gone that you're going to bring the kingdom down now and then hand over the kingdom to Christ. That doesn't fit in with scripture. Mm. That doesn't fit in with scripture. So they also intercede, but their intercession is based on faulty theology. Faulty mm. theology. Okay, so technically you cannot have carnal intercessions. The solution to this subtle corruption would be to pray that God will have full control over every intercessor's life. I mean, this is a very, very strange question because the whole thing is that intercessor is somebody who has died to... Pastor, you can uh, never be a true intercessor, true intercessor unless, unless you have dead, died dead to your own. To your own your because Romans so. 8, 25, 26 talks about the yeah. real intercessor. Mm. That yes. is uh, the Holy Spirit. Right? Because the whole thing is but that... 26, 27, yes. Yeah. Yeah, go to 26. Yeah. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 27. Okay. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of so a true intercessor is somebody who has surrendered to the will of God and God uses that man or woman to pray the will of God down. So intercessor is always praying. Even when he's praying for an individual, he's praying for the will of God to come to pass in that individual, whatever it may be. Well, the intercessor is not carnal. Carnal. He's not carnal. He's spiritual because he's praying for the will of God. Even if he's interceding for something that is, let us say, material, he's not carnal. Because that material is part of God's will for that person. Mm. So it does not become carnal. Because God has given us all things. Yes. So when you are, even when you're praying for things, he takes carnality out of it. He takes carnality out of it. Mm. He says, these things are part of God's will for you and you need to have it as a part of, to extend God's kingdom. It's part of God's will for you. You need it. And the one who receives also understands, says, no, God has given this thing. That's part of it. That's how it works. So, supplication prayers, you can have carnal prayers, soulish prayers, soulish supplication, very worldly supplication, all that. But intercession is a very different word altogether because Christ is an intercessor. Mm. In uh, Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Before I'm accent of mm-hmm. 7.25. Okay. Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost who come to God through him since he always loves to make intercession for them. So Jesus is an intercession, intercessor. Holy Spirit is an intercessor. So when the man who's connected to these two is or woman is an intercessor. It's connected with the will of God. So you cannot have a carnal intercessor over there. If he's carnal, he's not an intercessor. He may be praying or she may be praying, but he cannot be an intercessor. 
Yes, so again, again, and there are questions related to that, Pastor. You, you want to have a look at it. This is question number 12. Uh, does Satan encourage indiscretion? Would you say we should pray that God will cause us to set a guard over our mouths? I heard another American pastor pray about a certain man in his church and he discussed all his personal issues regarding his wife and him through the prayer. He was washing dirty linen in public about, the, about this couple who are both senior members and elders in the church. This can and will destroy the intercessor's prayer ministry. Don't you think so? Of course. Of course. I mean, that it's not destroying the prayer ministry. The first thing is that there has to be discretion. You don't mention names. You don't mention people. You can use illustrations, but you don't. You don't. Like I said about, you have to see, uh, I've used that example recently many times, but how Jesus deals Sent, with the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman had five husbands. She was living with the sixth one. And Jesus had probably looking at his pattern. We can find out early in the morning he rose. He went to pray. He heard from the father. This is where you're going today. And this is the person I'm sending you. And he goes, waits for her, starts a conversation. But what you know, what you would see is that he knew what she was. And he sent all his disciples away. All his disciples. If it was not written by Apostle John by revelation, the disciples would not have known who she was, what her past was. Because it's, you never, you never, if somebody chooses to witness and testify, this is who I was, like she did. Okay? Come and see, you see the Messiah. He has told everything. Mm -hmm. If somebody chooses to witness, to testify, that's a different thing. But it is not our job. Mm. It is not our job. That is not our job because the Bible is very, very clear. Love covers. It covers. It does not expose. And the first, first sin, if you want to put it across as actual, the first sin after Noah came out of the ark. Well, let's go over there. Yeah. And you will see that's where a generation gets cursed and a generation gets or a or, or a line gets blessed. Okay. We'll don't get into the nitty gritties of it, but Genesis chapter nine and verse twenty to twenty three. Noah began to be a farmer. He planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So what's the Bible talking about here? After that you will know, cursed is Canaan, Blessed is Shem. So what the whole idea, we'll leave that out, but we'll look at it here. It's why is Shem blessed? Because he must have been the one who took the leadership. They're always a leader, like Daniel was a leader. And then you have the three friends. So you have 12 chapters in the book of Daniel and one chapter about the friends and 11 chapters about Daniel. It's because the three friends were not the leaders. It was Daniel who was a leader. When he heard this, it is Daniel 
many years, saw the Babylonian table. It was Daniel who purposed in his heart and said, I will not eat. And the other three also followed. In the same way, when Ham came out, it was Shem who said, oh, we need to go and cover our dad. And Japheth followed him. So that is why Shem is blessed and Japheth shall live in his tents. That's the way. So the simple question is, which group do you fall? Are you the one who uncovers somebody's nakedness? Are you the one who covered somebody's nakedness? Mm. It's a simple question. This is where post-flood, post-judgment, you will see there were only three people. One went way in the way of uncovering. Two went in the way of covering. And it's the same situation we are talking about. And uh, you know what? Sometimes prayer just becomes gossip. <laughs> prayer just becomes gossip. They are not really praying. They are gossiping in their prayer. They are gossiping. When they are mentioning people and all the stuff they have done in their prayer, you know what they are doing? They are not praying. They just Their mouth has just become an instrument of the devil. Because he is the gossiper. He is the slanderer. He is the accuser of the brethren. So when he did... Uh, when he did that, of course it is Satan encouraging indiscretion. You know, God will cause us, to, you know, when we pray and, uh, you know, we have to be very, very careful about these things. And uh, you can destroy people's lives. Destroy people's lives. By what you say about others, you can destroy their lives. So this is where he went wrong. Absolutely wrong. And Satan encourages those activities. That is why Gossip and slander are so dangerous. That's why the Bible talks now. In this case, if you look at it, if you look at it, this man was an elder in the church. Yes. And the Bible is very, very clear about formats, about like he says, if there is an issue, you should go one on one with the person. Two, if it is an accusation against the elder, you need to have at least three witnesses. Witnesses, not hearsay. Witnesses who are able to say, I was there, I saw it, I'm a real material witness. If not, don't even take it. Don't even give it the sound of the day. The reason is of the damage it will do to the church. Damage to the church. It's not that God is covering up. God is not in the business of covering up. He has never covered up in the Bible, you will say. But it deals with individuals on his own. When you are not sure, leave judgment to God. Don't step into it. You are not in a civil court. You are in an ecclesiastical court, meaning you are in the house of God. You have to be very, very careful about how you deal in the house of God and leave final judgment to God. When you are not sure, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Don't go over there because what you do is that you damage the body of Christ. You damage the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, we have sister sitting over here uh, and she's a radiologist. Why do we need radiologists? Who is the one who needs the radiologist? Who is the one who uses the radiologist most? It is basically the surgeons, yes. right? If your one lung is damaged, he wants to know from the radiologist which lung. He doesn't want to take the wrong lung out. Hmm. Why does radiology, why is that department so important? Because they have to be absolutely sure that with all my medical knowledge, I'm not still seeing inside. 
I'm seeing from outside. Hmm. I'm judging my symptoms. But if I have to be very really go into surgery and take something out, I want the radiologist report. I want to see something that is from inside. And then I look at it and say, okay, it is this one. This is what I need to take it out. And the divine radiologist, God, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Only God knows. Only God knows. So when God says, you have to act, and there are situations you have to act, but be very, very careful when you act. There are witnesses. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have witnesses, could be just an accusation like you had this whole Johnny Depp and heard thing going this thing over there and the simple thing in America what happened is with the whole Me Too movement is that a woman has to be believed whether there is witness or not but all women are not kosher sometimes women can if a woman has to be believed an innocent man can be destroyed by a woman can be destroyed, his life can be destroyed by a woman. And in the kingdom of God, it does not work like that. In the world, it may be. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman. It's irrelevant. The question is, do you have evidence? Do you have witnesses? And then handle it within the church. Don't take it outside. As far as, unless there is violence and abuse and whatever this thing and all, and the civil authorities have to be informed other than that, Handle it with it. Even when it talks about even about property. Yeah. So why did you go to the court? Yes. Wouldn't you have rather lost your property than go to a Gentile court? He says, you are going to judge angels. angels. Yeah. Are you not even worthy to judge a dispute in the church? Is what he's talking. He says almost, he says almost every issue should be resolved within the church that we don't have to go to the court at all. If it's a true believing church, in that believing church where people have come under the authority of God, the authority of the word of God, authority of the spirit of God, every issue can be resolved. It is being resolved. You will write right from Acts chapter 6, there is an issue. Immediately it is resolved. Get pick seven people full of the Holy Spirit with the wisdom and issue is resolved. So they are dealing it at that level. And that's where it should be done. Okay, and that is where we have to be very, very, very careful because indiscretion is what the devil wants to do. And once it has gone that way, it has gone out of hand. Okay, it's out of hand. And once it goes out of hand, to repair it, it becomes very, very, very difficult. Very, very difficult to repair it. It's very, very difficult. Relationships are destroyed. More relationships are destroyed not by sometimes what actually happened, but by the slander and the accusation and the gossip that goes more and it brings so much destruction to the body of Christ. The we, that's how Amalek does. If you look at Amalek, it's yes. a picture of the flesh that attacks the flesh. In, he goes after the weak. Goes after the weak. If you are strong in the faith, you won't listen to slander even if you look at okay. I don't want to hear it. I heard it. There could be Two sides to it. It's not my job to judge. I don't want to hear about it. I don't know the full story. 
I'm not in a position. The Bible says, judge not. If I judge, I need to have the authority. If I don't have the authority, why should I judge? Mm. Now, there are so many cases going in the criminal court. Who is interested in it? Do you have the authority to judge okay. it? No. So, you don't waste your time. Mm. As a man who has been appointed to judge it, he will. You sitting here make all the judgment. It's irrelevant. It is not going to change the case. So, you first have to look. Do I have authority? If you don't have authority, don't waste your time. But if you heard it, just pray about it and leave it. But you have authority, then you go through the procedure. How do I need to handle it if it has come to you? So it's as simple. You can keep, like, what I tell people is, is something. It's like, do you keep your garbage in your house? No. What do you do? You give it to the garbage collector. Do you let your neighbor come and bring, put his garbage in your house? If your neighbor comes and puts garbage in your house, what happens? Your house stinks. So that's what gossip and slander does. You take your neighbor's garbage, put it in your head, and your head stinks. <laughs> now, why do you want somebody's garbage in your head? At the most, pray about it. If you are a praying person, it is okay. You can take that garbage, put through recycling it, and then bring out. And we have these recycling plants are there. No? Then it is fine. Because what do intercessors do? They are receiving garbage and sanctifying the people. So that's what basically intercessor is. If you are not an intercessor, if you are not a praying person, please don't listen. If you are an intercessor, you will hear all kinds of things. People will call you and say, I did this and I did this and I did Then the person goes and cries out before God. What is he doing? He is doing what you call that systems you have in these big places and all, where it takes the dirt water and it recycles. And it recycles. It's a recycling plant. Recycling. Yeah, it's a recycling plant, right? Mm. No, it's another word there. Okay, uh, yeah, the it's another word. It's not just recycling it. It uh, purifies it, no? Filtration plant. Yeah, okay, whatever. So yeah. that's basically an interest. That's what an intercessor. So intercessor, okay. And also, the intercessor is also very, very clear. He's, I think it is in Jude where he talks. He knows his attitude too. That he is very careful. Um, yeah, it's uh, James chapter 4, uh, yeah, 5, last, last one also. Yeah, yeah, yeah that also. Yeah. Jude one twenty two And for James chapter 5, last three verses. Okay. Is if a brother is caught on a fault, you are... James chapter 5, last three verses, last four verses. No, 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 not, not that one, not that one. That one I know, it's right. this thing about praying. I'm talking about this, Jude 1, 20, yeah. On some, yeah, 1, 22, 23, can we go to the next words? Okay, but others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. Others say with what? With? Fire. With fear. Fear. Oh, fear about what? Fear that you don't go that way. Don't think you're not vulnerable. Everybody is vulnerable to sin. In this flesh body, even the greatest saint is vulnerable to sin. So he says, even when you are saving him, save him with fear that I shouldn't get burnt. I shouldn't save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. You have to hate that, that you don't get pulled into it. Actually, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 also. Yeah. 6, 1 and 2. Galatians 6, Galatians, 6, 6 1, 1 and 2. 2. Otherwise you also will get. Mm. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Okay, lest you also can be. So you should keep this thing, okay? Meaning you can't send uh, one fellow who's just recovered from alcoholism to save a drunkard. <laughs> 
that's not what you do. You send a sober person, okay, who will not be tempted by alcohol at all. That was a good one. He just recovered. He went through the seven steps or fourteen steps of alcohol anonymous. He just came out and he sent him out to ministry to the bar. He's also gone. Other fellow is also gone. You don't do that. You have to be very very careful about it because we are all in this body. Everyone, everyone. I mean, Paul talks about himself in Romans chapter seven. Look at the man. We admire him, right? But yeah. tell him he's so brutally honest. He says over there in John, sorry, Romans chapter seven. Hmm. He talks about where who among you is not does not burn, and I am not. No. Which was it in seven? Or what is it, Pastor? He talks about. He talks about you know, about his own struggles. Yeah, it says, uh, yeah. "Wretched man that I am." Oh. Mm-hmm. Twenty-four Romans chapter seven, twenty-four, Pastor. No, it's not that. There's one particular thing which he says. No, no, that it's not that. But, uh, there is one thing he he uses that term. Okay, we'll leave it that we will not. Mm. Okay, when Paul uses his personal struggles, he actually uh, he uses. Let me try if I can find it. Anyway, so we have to be very 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 careful about these things because you can destroy. Lives can destroy lives. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, leave it alone. We couldn't find it. Okay. Next question. Yes, it is absolutely the devil encourages indiscretion. Yes. Okay. He's accuser, he's a slanderer, he's a gossiper, he so he night loves... And day, he's, he's, yeah, he's day and night he's accusing. <laughs> so on one side of the world, he will find people who are awake to accuse, on the other side, he will find when they go to sleep. So he also finds this. He neither sleeps okay. nor slumbers. This was like, again, question number 13. This is also talking about carefulness and discretion. Especially because the thing is that we, the, the major issue we need to understand is that Sometimes we do not know what how people have dealt with their own issues with God. Let me let me put it across mm. this way. Mm. Okay. Let's put me across this way. You go to that same portion in the gospel according to John. Okay? And this woman is going back to the town. And is going to the town. Three women sit there and they are talking to each other. Do you know that woman? Do you know how many men she has with within? But they have no idea what has happened between her and Christ. They don't know she's holy and they are not. Mm. See, this is where the danger comes in. Sometimes when we are dealing with people and you don't know them, you just heard this thing and you slander them, you gossip, talk about them. You do, do not know what how they have dealt their sin with God or how God has dealt with them. You do not know. See, if Psalm 51 is not there, 
Right? Psalm 51 is not there. What do we know about David and how he has dealt with? We have no, you would have no one. Psalm 51 is a mind-blogging, boggling psalm because it shows the inside of what happened, which it's hidden from everybody's eyes. What happened between David and God, we know from Psalm 51. So once we know Psalm 51, after that it does not matter what man says about David. But we see what God says about David. Because then it becomes scripture. Mm. That is where we have to be very, 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 very careful about it. <laughs> That's a very interesting scene in the Caesar's, sorry, Shakespeare's play called Hamlet. Where Hamlet's father was murdered by his father's brother. And his father's brother married his mother. But Hamlet gets to know all this through, through the ghost of his father. So how can you believe a ghost though it is to the truth? So Hamlet decides to get a troop of actors to act this out and keep his uncle and his mother. The mother does not know that uh, Hamlet's father had been killed by his own brother. She thought it was a natural death or something, I forgot. So what happens is the drama plays out exactly like that. And when that point comes, when the brother is pouring that poison into his brother's ear or something to kill him, the king gets up and he runs from the theater because it's too much for him to handle. It's exactly what he did. And that's when Hamlet knows it was his uncle who's a real murderer and the ghost was true. So he decides to kill him. But the thing is that when he goes to kill him, the king is behind the curtain and Hamlet is going to kill him. The king, the usurper, the king, he's crying out for mercy to God. So Hamlet says, I will not kill him now. Because if I kill him now, he'll go to heaven. I will kill him when he's unrepentant. Because I don't want him to go to heaven. I want him to go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) So who's clean, who's unclean? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh boy. It's a revealing of everybody's heart. And that's what Shakespeare is fantastic. It's like you look over there and you see these seeds okay, over, over there and you will realize, you know, you never know. You never know. The problem is, you know, this is where we have to be very, very careful about these things and how we handle it because you know what? What happens between a person, whether it's a man or a woman, between them and God, we do not know. We do not know. Like I said, no. If we did not read Proverbs chapter 31 and verses 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. The words of King Lobel, that is Solomon. Solomon. The utterance which his mother taught him, that is Bethsheba. What my son? What son of my womb? What son of my vows? Son of my vows? Mm -hmm. So what are the vows she made to God? Did she make a vow like uh, Hannah made for Samuel? You give me a son, first child died. You give me a son, he shall be set apart for God. I will teach him your law. Son, do not forget the law of your mother, Mm. is what Solomon says. And he's talking about Bethsheba. Bethsheba. Okay. So what do you know about this woman? It's so easy to judge Bethsheba, right? But judgment is God's. Do you know what Bethsheba became? 
Do you know what they, and that's what is your reality. Your reality is not what happened in your past, but what God has done with you. That becomes your reality. That is the only thing that is in, before God's eyes. All those who have repented, the slate is clean. And turn to Christ, the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all unrighteousness. That is where we have to use discretion, discretion. because you know what? You're dealing with lives. Lives. And you deal it one-on-one. The person repents. It is over. It lives and dies between the two of you. And what goes out is a saint. What came in was a sinner. What goes out is a saint. Let the world see the saint. For God has dealt with the sinner. That is why in leadership positions, you have to be very, very careful when you are dealing with people that you don't destroy the reputations of people. You don't destroy the reputations of people because when when you when you read the gospels, every letter is written to the company of saints. Are they saintly? No, not really. Not but are they saints? Yes. Yes, they are saints. Because they have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. By one act, he has made them perfect. Now is on the road to sanctification. So we have to deal with deal with things. The thing is that we are very good at covering our own skeletons. Mm. Yes. But we are very good at exposing somebody else's. And that's where we have to be. If you judge, judge ourselves very strict. And yet show mercy and grace. That's why the Bible says if anyone judges without mercy, mercy. without mercy. Judgment will also be shown without mercy. Judgment also will be shown without mercy. But still today Till this moment, every moment I'm speaking, I'm speaking on mercy. Because it's a mercy of God that's keeping me alive. Amen. The day mercy stops, I die. Judgment begins. It's appointed unto man to die once and after it is judgment. What happens the moment you die? What has stopped? Mercy has stopped. On the other side, I don't need mercy. Mm-hmm. It is going to be judgment. It, it, it is judgment. Is, and you are living. If you are a, if you are a born again believer, you are living. You are not living anymore under God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Because you don't need mercy. Because you are not going to sin. Mm-hmm. The soul that is saved and is in the presence of God. There are no souls in heaven sinning. You can't sin. When you receive the new body, that in that body there is no sin. You will not sin. So when do I need mercy? I need mercy here till the last breath of my life. Mm-hmm. So every moment I am living, I am living on mercy. Mercy, because you sin, commission or omission, you're living on mercy. So mercy triumphs over judgment. Then what else does he give us? Over mercy, he gives us grace. Mm. What is grace? Grace is given to overcome sin. That's how you live. Mercy and grace. Mercy. That's why it says, come boldly to the throne room of grace, receive mercy and grace for every need. And we have to be very, very, very careful. If you have a position of authority and you are a believer, be very, very careful. It is always mercy and grace. It's absolutely balanced. That's why the Bible says grace and truth, truth came through Jesus Christ. I need truth. So only the truth can set me free. Only the truth can save me. Without truth, grace will not work. But the purpose of truth, you need to realize, is to save and not to destroy. Mm. Not to destroy. This person, even if whatever is said about that two people is true, the purpose of truth is to say okay and there are parameters god has put for judgment many 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 structures put up and we have to go that's what you're talking about 
what's happening in India or what's happening in US. US is supposed to be a Christian nation. This is supposed to be a Gentile secular nation. What you see is no due process of mm-hmm. law. You have a January 6th commission taking place. There is no due process of law. Nobody who is accused is able to defend themselves. There are no counsel over the riveting arguments, asking for subpoenas, bringing new evidence. No, it is just one set of people and just putting their own. They are the judge, the jury and the executioner. That's what the January 6th commission is. What is there? There is no justice. There's no due process in the same way that mm-hmm. is happening in North India. There is a violence. Immediately, bulldozer comes and destroys your house. Where is the due process of law? There's no due process of law. The simple question to be asked is, okay, there was a remark made about the prophet. There was Friday violence. Bulldozers came out and destroyed houses. Well, my question to you as a citizen is that yesterday was another Friday. Mm. And there was violence all over India, in your states too. Will the bulldozers come out? Will it? No, it will not come out. Why? Because the people belong to another community. Therefore, the bulldoze. So there is no due process. There is no law. There is no justice. So God has put due process within the church. And then he says, like the great man who it was said, even if a thousand guilty go unpunished, do not let one innocent be punished. He said, that's it. Even if a thousand guilty go unpunished, one innocent should not be punished. But that would be a breaking of the law. Mm-hmm. Because a guilty ultimately will never escape. There is somebody far above everybody. The guilty will never escape. But on earth, the whole thing is that the, the premise of law is that you are presumed innocent until, until proved guilty. guilty. Yes. That's not how the law is now. Mm-hmm. It completely changed over. You are presumed guilty until you are proved innocent. Change completely. Because now it's trial is not by the courts. Trial is by media. media. And they have already, it's all about ratings. Already proclaimed you guilty. The church doesn't work that way. Church will keep the world out, the parameters of the world, all, even in the old covenant, in the law, there was very clearly told how judgment should take place. And we have to be careful about that. Yes, Pastor Richard. I, I just want a couple of takeaways I was thinking when you were answering me, uh, answering the question. Uh, the, one of the things that every believer, therefore, ha- has to do on a regular basis is to have those dealings with God regularly because it's important for them to be clean before God, one thing. Second thing, I mean, uh, if I was a member of the congregation or people who listen to certain things which are not supposed to listen to, whatever decisions they make after hearing those things, how is it going to affect my life is very important. And how do I see myself by making a decision down the line? Where do I stand? How do I stand? It's important, right? I mean... uh, because these are decisions which will affect your spiritual growth and which is which is you should have to guard with all of your heart and therefore you should not be able to you should not make hasty decisions and therefore my question is how much should uh, the eldership think about when uh, letting people know this is not your boundary what should what are the things that we uh, we, we have to uh, make sure that we have to communicate so that this is not these are not your boundaries and therefore you should not cross it because it's ultimately going to affect you and not me how do how do we how do we how do we say that see the first thing is basically if you look at it the first thing is to equip the saints to walk with god mm. 
that's where you know comes you cannot walk with god unless you judge yourself daily you cannot judge yourself daily unless god talks to you mm-hmm. that is the whole thing of walking with god two cannot walk together unless they agree now god doesn't have to agree with me i have to agree with him and i have to agree with god god will show things in my life which he does not agree with then i have the choice of getting rid of it and walking with him or not getting rid of it and the walk changes that is primarily the main job of the church mm. is to teach man woman and child to walk with god because as long soon as long as as individuals we are walking with a god there will be usually no trouble in the church yes. mm. okay like i'm a body so many parts but if you look at it every part is controlled by the head yes. it is connected to the head mm. they are all connected to each other but ultimately it is connected to the head they all have a personal relationship with the head like mm. i touch here i will feel the pain because it's being communicated from the head the head okay that is the whole idea and once that happens but again remember we we are also body of believers and uh, accountability comes yes accountability comes see it is personally thing it's it's personally a issue of growth issue of maturity mm. maturity issue of growth and maturity the bible when it begins it says adam and eve were naked and they were not ashamed and then immediately in the next chapter the bible says when they ate they were so busy covering up mm. covering up because now they are ashamed and they are afraid but the church has to go back to a point where we are naked and not ashamed wow mm. have to go to we know point. each other so we know each other yeah, so. this is who i accept you as you are i know you're growing okay i heard about that so what I'm not judging you. Grow, change. Mm. But I'm there with you. Stop talking nonsense. That's not kosher. Now we are no longer judging, yet we are judging. Mm. We are judging without condemning. We are covering. Actually, okay, we are judging without condemning. Hey, we are saying so okay, we don't use that kind of language. Not going around, you know what kind of language uses? No, you're okay. I also use that kind of language once, but I don't use it, okay? We have changed. So you know what? I'm not ashamed of you. Mm. I'm not ashamed of you. not ashamed of you but we are very transparent okay okay we yes. are that that is to what god is trying to take to us Which okay when he, when he says love covers a multitude of sins it does not mean god is in the job of, of covering up no, no. there's a lot of difference yes if you look at it if you go if you if you go to genesis chapter 3 Adam and Eve made garments of fig leaves and covered but that's not what God did he offered a sacrifice and he made okay. garments of skin and covered he also covered but his covering was different covering was different mm-hmm. he dealt with an issue and uh, there was a propitiation of their sins and then he covers and sends them and if you look at the covering of man and the covering of God you look at it let me ask you this question how long will a fig leaf garment last how long will a garment of skin last mm, yes that is a, almost like a permanent covering yes. leather can last a life long right 
So he, the man makes a temporary covering. God gives a permanent covering. Okay, that's, that's, and we have to revert to that. We have to, the church has to be, but this, like I always say, you need to always have an ideal. Once you lose your ideals, you have lost meaning in life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, whether the ideal is possible or not on this side of eternity is our, another matter. Mm-hmm. But you should but have. You should always have it. Mm-hmm. You should always believe. Like I, like I keep telling my young men, just have all of them that home is an ideal. Home is an ideal. Whether you will have the kind of a home that the Bible talks about it or not, it's not what is thing. It is an ideal. Even if I don't have it there, I will have it there. But if I have to enjoy it there, I have to have it here yeah. now. Otherwise, what will happen is when I go over there, I will not enjoy it like somebody else in the same church who had this ideal in his heart. My enjoyment <laughs> will be different. Yes. So you always have to carry home is a place, home is a family, and these are you have to carry it with you. So when the see everything in the heaven on earth is temporal, but when the temporal becomes eternal, if you did not enjoy these truths in the temporal, you will not be able to really enjoy these truths in the eternal. If I was not able to enjoy true, genuine, deep fellowship in the temporal, yes. how am I going to enjoy Absolutely. fellowship yes, in the yes, eternal? Yes, yes, yes. These are things which mm. we know. There are so many things, ideas like uh, the the concept about individual, the concept about family, the concept about home. These are all eternal concepts. These are not temporal concepts. These are all eternal concepts. Okay. So we need to have these eternal concepts and we have to carry it across. When we carry it, if we don't have it, see how people will enjoy God in eternity is not the same. Yes. It is not the same. How people will relate to each other in eternity also will not be the same. It will be all connected with what did you believe when we are on earth? What did you, even we will be all working in heaven. People will all work. But how people enjoy their work also will not be the same in eternity. Because you need to look at how did you work on earth? Whom did you work? Because work was there before the fall. Work became cursed after the fall. Work is going to be there in eternity. Mm. It is going, it is going to be in eternity. The only difference between the work and eternity, if you, if you go to Revelation chapter 22, because you have to carry these ideals across. Revelation chapter 22, you can read from verse 1 to 4. This is talking about the actual eternity beginning. Okay? Uh, 1 to 5 actually, okay? He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was a tree of life which bore twelve fruits each year yielding its fruits every fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. This is how eternity begins. And there shall be no more curse. First thing, there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb be in it and his servants shall serve him. So we will serve him. They shall see his face. So how will we see him? We have proximity to him. Will be able. These are overcomers, okay? So don't jump and think mm. you will be in that, okay? They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads, okay? 
There shall be no night there, no need of lamp or light, sun, for the Lord gives them light. They shall reign forever and ever. Now, they shall serve him. So what is that? I'm going to be a servant. No, you will be reigning as a servant. So what is the nature of your service? You are reigning. Mm. And for how long? Forever and ever. You are the servant of the king. You are royalty. You will be serving him, reigning. And then that verse, no? Verse 3. Verse 3, there shall be no more curse. Okay, what is the curse? The first curse which God had said is this, the day you eat, you shall die. That's the first curse that came to me. The when they ate it, death came in. They didn't understand it, but death came in. What is the symptoms of death? Weakness, everything you talk about, all came in with death. Man was not like this. Adam was not like what we were. And we will not be like that in heaven. This body is a body of humiliation. <laughs> yes. It's a body of humiliation. That's what the Bible says. Yes. And it is, it's a body of humiliation. Okay. This body will be taken. This body is humiliated because of the curse. Curse. Every day you look in the mirror, it's a humiliation. You are changing. <laughs> Okay, this is not how you are supposed to be. Man was not supposed to be like that. Was never supposed to be like that. It's a humiliation. That curse is gone. Your ground is no longer cursed. Ground, because the Bible says God cursed his ground. Thorns and thistles. That curse is gone. The curse of the body is gone. The body is not going to sweat. The body is not going to grow old. The body is not going to grow weak. The body does not need rest. The body does not have to sleep. The body is a different body. That's why there is no sun. Because you, sun and moon are regulated for in this creation. Man was made from the dust. But the new man, this heavenly man, is not of the dust. He is of God. The new body we are receiving is not corruptible. It is incorruptible. So he is not of dust. The man of dust has to go back to dust. So sun and moon is to regulate his timings. Sun is not needed. Moon is not needed. We don't have to sleep. We are not going to tire. So we need to realize this is the reality. Mm. This is the so until we get these realities, mm. realities in, we will not enjoy work. Mm -hmm. will not enjoy. Work. So why am I working? Because you know, one day I know who I work for. for I work for, and you know what I'm going to do in my work. Whatever work I'm going to do, I might be just mopping my house. I will exercise dominion. If I have to reign over 10 cities one day, let me better reign over my floor now. Because it's an ideal you believe in. I will exercise dominion. I may be just washing dishes. But you know what? People get upset when I tell don't wash in my house. I will do it because I don't like the way you wash dishes. But there's a method in which you have to wash where you use less water and maximum all this thing, okay. So the reason is that, you know what, you can do the same thing in many ways. But there will be one way which is usually the most efficient, the best way to do it. And in anything that you do, that is dominion. That is dominion, okay. That is what the Bible says. They shall serve him, but they shall reign. And the simple thing is that if that is going to be my destiny, I shall do it in the little things. And God says he was faithful in little things. Faithful in little things. That's what I tell the young kids also in this day. You may not even have a room. You may just have a portion of the room. That's your dominion. How you keep that will reflect on you.
that's your dominion. That's where nobody is going to come. Anybody will come and say, the supervisor or whoever is in charge will come and say, why don't you make your bed? Why don't you do that? Basically, they are saying you should have exercised dominion over it. And these things matter. These things matter in life because we need to have ideals. And this is how the old generation of believers were always there. They understood. This is what we call virtue. Add to your faith. First thing God says is virtue. Why? Because the one who called you called you in virtue. His virtue. So we need to realize, if this is how I'm going to look, I mean, if this is the way I'm going to look there, I might as well start now. Hmm. As well start. So there is a living, there is a home, there is relationships everywhere. Not so in relationships, God says, you know what? Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know what? I'm going to be less judgment. I will use parameters where I have been placed, but I will exercise judgment and be merciful. And always mercy. You know what? When you go over there, all kinds of saints are going to come in. And they're all saints. All are not of the same caliber. Say by supposing, say, you are in category 7, and that is, the, let us say, one of Sadhu Sundars is saying there are seven categories, and the highest in category 7. Category 7 is to fellowship, is able to fellowship with 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. One cannot fellowship with two because he two, one will not understand two. It is simple. It's, it's simple as there is a father and a mother with five children. So altogether there are seven people. Right? Seven people. The father is able to fellowship with the mother and the eldest one, the second one. But how he fellowships with each one is different. It is not the same. The youngest one may be only a year old. That one also fellowships with others, but the fellowship is different. Even the second child, the, 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 the next one, not the youngest one, the one above it, how he or she enjoys the youngest one and how the father enjoys the youngest one is completely different. It's because they have been separated not by age, by experience and maturity. Age is not the factor here. It's maturity and it's a factor here. So how God enjoys us and how we enjoy God is not the same. It's not the same. And that's what God is talking about. This is what life is all about. That's why life is about. Jesus, if you notice, is able to fellowship with Nicodemus, with the Samaritan woman and the little children. They don't stop the children. Oh, let them out. He took them in his arms. He blessed them. He's able to fellowship with all. But ultimately his fellowship is with his father. And because he's one with his father, he's able to fellowship with everybody. And we need to realize that is our reality. That's where we are going. This is the world we are going hmm. into. Ideal. Ideal. We need to have ideals. If we do not have ideals, no, we will just be sloppy believers. Sloppy believers. That's why you look at, I always tell simple things, no? We look at the gospel according to John and we will stop. The John's gospel is different from the other gospels, okay? John's gospel, chapter 20 and verse 7. Six and seven. Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen but folded together in a place by <laughs> itself. Six was for 
prove to the others I have resurrected. Seven is for the disciples. I have never lost my order. Hmm. By itself. <laughs> In a place. Why? Only they would understand it. The others who didn't understand it. Others wouldn't understand. They understood what it was. Folded and kept apart. Okay. I mean, he's, he's now ascending to heaven. <laughs> he says, before I go to heaven, I still have time to fold it. Okay. okay. And you need to realize, this is order. You have to look at the Savior's life. You look at that unbelievable order in his life. Okay. The question is, why do you need so much order, Jesus, on earth? Because he says, that's the house where I came from. In my Father's house, there is order. In my Father's house, then mm-hmm. everything is in order. So you will see, in my life, everything is in order. And we need to have these things. And when we have these things, so it does not matter. See, many of these things may be just a vision or a dream on earth, but it becomes reality there. Because real life is there. Real life is not here. This is all temporal. Even if you enjoy anything, it is temporal. Because how long can you enjoy it? But if you have ideals, and the ideals are scriptural, when you go to heaven, heaven will be a blast. Because you will be able to really, 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 really enjoy. Enjoy. Now, that's what people pride. People talk about culture and taste of food and all this, basically. I mean, which is true. Okay, people who have tasted all this stuff, you know, they will, I mean, they will talk about wine or they will talk about chocolates and they will say, they will say dairy milk is enough. I only eat Linda Goodiva and all that, no? And we understand them, okay, because they cannot say, all oh, dairy milk is terrible, you know, okay. I understand that. But we need to realize the reality on the other side. When you go on to the other side, that is eternal. How are we going to enjoy heaven? Hmm. What was your reality? Because it's not about chocolates there or wine there. How am I going to enjoy God? It's the whole thing. Will be my enjoyment, experience of God be limited? If it will be limited, I limited it on earth. Therefore, I limited myself in heaven. It was not God. It was not God. It was me. Because God is very clear. I wanted to give you my spirit without Without measure. measure. You limited me. You limited me. I was there. My prayer, final prayer, Jesus says, his father, my prayer is that. You, I in you, you in me, and I in them, we are one. That was my prayer. So that was my desire. The problem is, was that our desire mm. and our prayer? See, if you do not focus on these things, then all the troubles of the world will overwhelm us. Overwhelm. I always keep saying, there is a place called home. Mm. And it is in heaven. In my father's house. The children will say, big table, lots of things to eat. It's okay. That's fine. But as to keep on growing. That table is not about food. The table is about fellowship. That's why it's called the Lord's Supper. That's a table of fellowship. In my father's house, there is a table. And in that table, there is fellowship. And ultimately, life is connected with fellowship. There is work and there is fellowship. Work without curse and fellowship without restraints. And there, we will be naked 
and not ashamed. So God says, why don't you try it here? Why don't you try it here? Be naked and not be ashamed. You heard about me? Oh yeah, I remember. That was what I was. <laughs> I thank God he delivered me from that and he washed me clean. After that, they have nothing to say. Over. <laughs> and they are encouraged. You say, oh wow, see, right. see what? I don't have to be ashamed. Because he's not ashamed. <laughs> Why should I be ashamed? God has, you know, closed me, covered me with his righteousness. I said, the woman is not ashamed. She's the one who came in the midday. Ashamed and hiding is running straight back into this thing, leaving a pot behind and telling the man and come and see. This man told everything about me. Is he the Messiah? What has what has she lost? She lost. She's no longer. She's not unashamed that way. God has covered her. Amen. And that has gone. That's how we look life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Yes. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Come in everyone, everywhere who's been listening into thy hands, whatever their fears are. You're the one who comes and stills our fears. You say, fear not. Whatever the shame is, you are the one who comes and covers. Because you took our shame upon yourself on the cross. You endured the shame of the cross for the joy that was set before you. And that joy was a spotless, blemishless bride whom you sanctified by the washing of the word for yourself. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Comfort the grieving, heal the sick, peace into all those who are troubled, and strengthen every person, Lord. And if you tarry to come tonight, you give us another day, we will be all in your house tomorrow, Lord, to worship you, to hear of you, and to fellowship with one another. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.